Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast. I'm Jack Murley, and each and every week, myself and co-host, professional rugby player Charlie Beckett, cast our eyes over everything happening inside and outside the squared circle in a show made by wrestling fans for wrestling fans. Coming up this week, Elimination Chamber is in the books, and whisper it quietly, it's the best Saudi show WWE has ever done. Brock Lesnar walks out as WWE Champion, Becky Lynch walks out with a win over Lita and knowing her WrestleMania challenger, and Madcap Moss is lucky to be walking out at all after that sickening bump. And in AEW, there's a change of pace for MJF, who cuts a promo that's suspiciously like one a babyface would deliver. What's his game? And while you ponder that, we'll remind you that the card for Revolution continues to build, with Danielson Moxley and Kingston Jericho both signed for the start of March Extravaganza. So, all of that to get into, along with a look at Ronda's return so far, and whether it's delivered on its promise, plus more AEW debuts, fantasy booking, Dragon's Den, and loads more. Right now, on Earning the Push. You have to say it always, you take the morality of it being a Saudi Arabia side, which to enjoy these shows you have to, because if you think too much about that, you can't enjoy anything out there. That's my opinion anyway. A very good B-show. The chamber matches delivered. They were good. They were very decent. They won't go down as two of the great chamber matches, but they won't get on a list of top 10 worst chamber matches either. They were good chamber matches. Somehow Madcap Moss is still walking, which is really good after that. We'll get into that, I'm sure, but that was horrible. Uh, Lita and Becky was very enjoyable. Lita can still go, which is great to see. Bianca Belair is absolutely the right winner of that. I think she's an absolute star and needs that win back against Becky that she um, she got a little bit embarrassed and she at SummerSlam. I think she needs to beat Becky at Mania to come back from that. Yeah, it was very, it was very okay. Almost, yeah, good. you got to feel good if you're the Saudis and you paid that much money for a show that is okay, very good. Yeah, Didn't yeah, set true. the world on fire. But I think, as you say, take the morality of it away, which is hard for many folk to do, but for this show we will. It was the best Saudi show yeah, WWE definitely. have ever done by an absolute country mile. Nothing else even comes close because they treated it like it mattered as a show, right? Yeah, it didn't seem like it was out of the continuity of WWE. It didn't seem like it was something else. And we come back to the usual storytelling back in uh, WWE. It seemed like it, it, it was part of WWE. And that that's that's all you want is that you want to carry on in WWE law, so to speak. So that was that was great. It was canon. That, that, that obviously helped a lot. Um, and Goldberg didn't win the Universal title. So that was really good as well for me. We'll get into some of the nuts and bolts of it in a tick, but let's talk about something you said there. Both chamber matches delivered. For me, I thought both were fine. But let's talk about that main event chamber match with Austin Theory getting F5 off the top of the of the top of the chamber pod within, which was a, a really, really gnarly move to take. But what did you think of the way they handled Bobby Lashley and the way he starred in that chamber match? I think unfortunately it's all it it all comes down to he seems like he's got a genuine concussion and that has to take precedent over everything. Obviously, in my my line of work, I know how dangerous concussions are. And gone are the days, thankfully, where oh, it's just a sore head, just crack on with it. Like you, you you're seeing now with sports people with CTE and NFL, especially, and with early onset Alzheimer's, you're seeing in rugby as well, unfortunately. And I know wrestling's had an issue with it. That Concussions are to be messed with. You only get one brain. You can fix an arm. You can fix a leg. Your brain doesn't really fix. So it hurt Bobby, the character, I think, the fact of how he was dealt with. 
But actually, Bobby the man, I hope, is very thankful for it because they might have protected him from some really serious ongoing injuries in the future. So my question is then, given what you've said there, do you think that was legit? Because I absolutely think that was an angle. I'm I'm not sure there was any concussion there from what you read online that Bobby Lashley's actually dealing with a shoulder injury and they had to find a way to get him out of the chamber. But am I, because I've read that side of things, are you thinking it was legit, which I've also read as well? Yeah, I'm working on the sense it's legit. Now, I, 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 I'd missed that he had a shoulder injury. I was just working on the fact that it was a concussion out, out and out. Now, if it is how they've worked a shoulder injury, it's an interesting way to do it. And I'm not sure, I'm, I was just, I've just spoken about leave the morality of Saudi Arabia side. I'm not sure I enjoy us faking concussions if we're doing that. Like, well, this is a very, point, very serious. This is the point I raised to you because no one in WWE has come out and said that's anything but legit. But the suggestion is from some of the websites you read that actually that was an angle. Now, if it is legit, they've done exactly the right thing to get him out of there. No one would question that. Wrestling takes a side seat. If it is an angle, that's pretty distasteful as a way to get someone out of a match. Oh, hugely, hugely. I know men, I, know, I have friends who've had to retire through concussion. I know um, a former coach of mine, he had to retire at 22 concussion. He's still, it was hideous. He was, he was coached just once. He got hit on the head by a ball. This was 10 years post-retiring. Balls were being kicked. He got hit. He couldn't He couldn't be in the light for three days. Like, it rattled his brain that much. Like, concussion is not is not to be joked about, not to be laughed about. And if if they think faking a concussion is the way to get round a shoulder injury, then I think I'd be one of many people who take real umbrage and real issue with that. And I, I hope that's not what they've done. And I'm going to choose to, until I have facts and proof that is what they've done, I'm going to choose to look on it more favourably and think that it was an actual concussion, they're not faking it. But even reports of that are quite shocking. Like that, that'd be a hideous thing to do. Well, let's leave that to one side because it is one of the talking points that came out of it. Uh, who who came out of that chamber match stronger, Brock Lesnar or Austin Theory, who I quite liked being itchy and scratchy around the chamber by Brock Lesnar just pegging him in and him trying to run away. I thought that was, you came into it thinking you don't think Austin Theory belongs there. I enjoyed his work in that chamber match. Yeah, I, I'd absolutely agree. The chamber match was better for having Austin Theory in it. I did not think I'd be saying that before the show. The selfies of him in the chamber with them that have come out since are just box office as well. So I think that was a really big moment for Austin Theory. Of he's in the he was in the main event scene, looked like he belonged. Yes, he belonged because he was just getting, as I believe the kids say, yeeted around by Brock Lesnar. But he looked like he belonged. Many many a person has had a star turn being yeeted by Brock. So yeah, I I, I maybe ate a little bit of humble pie on Austin Theory at the weekend. I, I thought it was a really good chamber match. I, I Well, no, I don't. I thought it was, as you say, a fine chamber match. Wasn't the best ever, but I enjoyed it for what it was. The finish is where, look, we know we're getting La- uh, Lesnar against Reigns at WrestleMania. It was always likely it was going to be title versus title. I'm still not sure I feel it's the best use of the WWE title to put it on Brock. Is that match any better for being champion versus champion? I, I question it. Yeah, I, I don't need a champion versus champion match. Now, the questions come of, if it was a genuine injury to Bobby, did they have to change the uh, ending on the fly? We don't know the answer to that. But either way, let's say they wanted to get the title back and Brock. It sounds like that's what they wanted to do, to go champion versus champion. Because they had the graphic ready. It was ready. Uh, you can't make graphics that quick. Yeah, I didn't 
I don't like that. I don't, they're two separate titles. We don't need them. And are they going to combine them or is one going to just hold both titles? Because if they combine them again, which they tried with uh, when John Cena and Orton um, fought for SummerSlam those years ago, that kills one show. I don't think a wrestling show can not have a top title. I really don't. So it's one of those things where you look at it, and I think Alex McCarthy put it best, spreading the wealth. You've had Brock Lesnar win the Royal Rumble, the Elimination Chamber, and now he's on to the main event at WrestleMania. Now, someone else could have won the Rumble, and you'd have had a different match built for, for, for one of the nights of WrestleMania, or someone else could have won Elimination Chamber, and that would have been great as well. It just seems like you're taking all your eggs and you're putting them in one basket. And if you are not a Brock Lesnar fan, and there are plenty of folks out there who aren't sold on Brock Lesnar, he's not their cup of tea. What else do you have in terms of that title picture at WrestleMania? I just didn't think they say spread though. They didn't need to. This match, Roman versus Brock, the universal title was big enough already. Sell it on the universal title. It almost looks like, they're saying they don't think the universal title is big enough to sell to sell the match on. You need the prestige of the WWE title as well. So they're almost downplaying one of their own major titles. But they've actually done a really good job in building the prestige of the universal title because it doesn't change hands that often. Like you have long reigns with it. You look at and the champions have all been big stars. You haven't had a Jinder Mahal hold the uh, universal title. So I, I, I don't understand it. I feel there's another. There's another big match they could have had at WrestleMania by having a WWE title match, and they've stolen that from themselves. Yeah, I'm not sure it's for me in terms of booking, but that chamber was good. The women's chamber I also enjoyed as well. Right outcome for my money with Bianca Belair. I know we're trying to separate this from the morality of Saudi Arabia, but one thing that you have to mention is obviously in Saudi, there are different ethical standards there in terms of the amount of skin a female can show. And in the past, we've seen WWE of female superstars coming out just wearing baggy old T-shirts. Someone has got on them with their costuming because all those women, bar perhaps Ronda Rousey, which maybe we'll get onto in a bit, but all of them, they looked insanely good. That was, I, I couldn't take my eyes off some of those cat suits. You can say that you don't want the women to have any sex pills so don't show skin. And then the women's division of WWE just stuck two fingers up at the Saudi government and went... Oh, not Saudi, the Saudi royal family. We can look sexy without showing skin. They, like you said, they all looked phenomenal while not breaking a single one of the rules. And it was a very, very, it was a huge moment. And I think because of all the negative morality of Saudi Arabia, and it all is, I think we, and, and that we look at the political side of that with WWE. I think what we lose a little bit maybe is how huge for Saudi Arabia, the women of Saudi Arabia, it must be watching these women do this. It was the first time, wasn't it, with um, Natalia and was it Charlotte in that first, the first time? Definitely Natalia. I can't Natalia remember who else it was, but yeah, whoever. They had the first ever match. It was women being allowed to perform in Saudi Arabia. That was only three years ago. Now we're having full-on elimination chain matches, three women's matches in a night. Like, so I'm not defending for a second the fact that WWE go to Saudi Arabia. They go for one reason and one reason, and that is millions and millions of dollars. But there is one good thing coming out of it, and that is that they are being allowed by the Saudi regime to put these women's matches on. And imagine being a 15-year-old girl in Saudi Arabia and seeing that and 
maybe that's a glimmer of hope for you that something is changing and there is a chance that well, if you do something. So that's the one good side of the political side of things in Saudi Arabia. But yeah, they looked brilliant. And I saw it on Twitter when Dewdrop basically saved Liv Morgan's leg in a corner when she slips. Yes, she that slips was nasty. And her leg is caught. It was a nasty night for bumps and her leg is caught. And Dewdrop, fair play to her, very quickly realises and unhooks her and like, Makes it look like she's throwing her on the ground, but gently places her on the ground. Because that's the sort of thing where, at that angle, if she'd had any pressure from any other part of her body, her leg was not going to be in a good way. So, and oh, it's all good. Liv Morgan looked like something else. I, I thought, I mean, she did. And that was a tribute, I think, to Britney Spears, mm. in uh, which she's done before. I thought Rhea Ripley looked insanely. Yeah. I mean, have that gear all the time, Rhea. It looked yeah. amazing. And the only reason we mention this, as we say, we're not usually a type to comment on, on ring gear that much, but it was worth noting in Saudi. Um, right result, Bianca Belair going over. And Becky Lynch and Lita really enjoyed that match. Great for what it was. Yeah, brilliant. That That's a good use of legends, isn't it? There, there you go. You're furthering storyline. They can still go. You think they might win and you don't mind if they win. We were saying last week, if Lita wins, you wouldn't mind. That's how legends should be used for me, Jack. That, that makes sense. My only thing looking at this card actually is, and I was speaking to some of the folks who listened to this pod about it, about imagine that match, Lita and Becky Lynch in Chicago or Toronto, mm, or yeah. London, or New York, because it, it was a great match. And to give the Saudi crowd their credit, hotter than, than they've ever been, really decent crowd. But imagine that in a proper wrestling city. It would have taken it to another level. It just would have done. Yeah, it's very true. You don't you don't get the reaction in Saudi Arabia that you do um, over in America, and especially those, those strongholds like Chicago. And that is one that I feel they would have gone wild for. I think you're right. Goldberg shows up, gets beaten, Leaves, takes his money. It's how they've used him for the past X number of Goldberg matches. Fine for what it was. Let's talk about Madcap Moss in that match with Drew McIntyre. A couple of points in this. If you are going to Saudi Arabia, a country that does execute people by decapitation, do not be swinging a sword around at someone's neck in one of the potential finishes for your matches, but put that to one side. Madcap Moss, how is he still standing? That it's a horrible, horrible, and I don't think there's any fault. I think it's, I haven't watched it too. I've watched, I won't lie. I watched it once. I haven't gone back again because I don't like seeing things like that. No. So I haven't analysed if there's fault from Moss, if there's fault from Drew. I think it's just a horrible accident. And, oh, how's he not got an injury from that? He's just compressed his neck with real force, hideously. That, that's, injuries like that are why they stop pile drivers. And that's what happened when Austin got paralysed. His head was too far down and he got driven into the mat like that. And it's just, there's what, 120-odd kilos of Mad Cat Moss coming right down on his head. Like, I've had some of those painful injuries I've had in rugby are being hit on the top of the head like that. So when you carry the ball and you get tackled or in rucks and someone with force hits you on the top of the head like that and it hurts so much for weeks. So to go at that force into the ground, I don't know how he's not done any serious damage there. He, he had a guardian angel looking over him that day. You are the professional athlete perspective on, on our podcast. What does that feel like? And you've not experienced that directly, but you've experienced similar incidents that may have some resemblance to it. What, what goes through your body? Well, I've had compression neck injuries before, like hit on the top of the head, like pushing your head down, like almost into your spine. You feel it right the way down the middle of your neck, like shooting pain goes right down your back. And then almost instantly, your whole neck just goes to spasm and tightens up. 
And within an hour, you can't look over either shoulder, really. And then sleep, trying to sleep is one of the most painful things because any movement, any sort of roll, and your whole neck just goes on fire. I, I didn't have a feeling in my right hand for about six weeks because of, like, uh, nerve issues and stuff with it. So it can last for a while. Like, you've got, you can have physios telling you, you're fine, there's no issues, and you're good to play. I played for six weeks with no feeling in my right thumb. Like, you, it, it can have, like, lasting effects. So... The fact that he's, I'm sure he's in a lot of pain. The, the fact that he's fine, I'm sure he's in a lot of pain. I'm sure his neck is killing him. But he'd be counting his lucky stars. He's not done something seriously wrong there because there's only so far you can go pushing your neck down before things start to break and snap and crush. So I think we're all just very glad he's okay. Yeah, fine is very much a relative term in, in this situation. Um, and I think it probably serves as a reminder that as much as we come on each and every week, we talk about what we like, what we like less, wrestling, booking, all of that. It's it's a reminder that these men and women, whatever promotion at whatever level, do it for our entertainment. And and something can go wrong that is no one's fault and it, it can be inches from disaster. And it's probably a good reminder that, that we are lucky that folks choose to entertain us this way. Yeah, it's credit to them that they that they do. It's not an easy profession they take. No. Uh, let's get on to more about the road to WrestleMania then. So we know we're getting Lashley versus Lesnar. We know we're getting Bianca versus Becky. We know we're getting Charlotte Flair against Ronda Rousey. That has... Um, this is hard. Has Ronda Rousey impressed or excited you in any of her outings or promos since she's been back? I'm no more excited about Ronda Rousey being back than I was when she came at the Rumble. Like, nothing she's done since made me go, yes, Ronda's back. It's just, oh, Ronda's back. I think a lot of it is, I'm just not excited by Ronda Charlotte. Like, I just, I will struggle to get over the fact they had the blockbuster match to give us, and they didn't. I, I, I just, that, that, that is not Ronda Rousey's fault, per se, but my excitement levels to her and her match are being affected by that. I think there's a presentational issue here as well. And I was watching that tag match with Sonia, Charlotte, Rhonda, and Naomi. And I was looking at them and I was thinking, three people here look like superstars and one does not. And fair enough, she's come out in her gi. There's a reason storyline that she's done that. Then I go back to the Rumble and Ronda Rousey comes out and she doesn't look like a superstar. And it's baffling to me because when she debuted at the first Women's Royal Rumble and in the build to the tag with Kurt against Steph and Triple H, she looked like a superstar. And I'm not talking about body shape or anything like that, just the way she's carrying herself and what she's wearing. She seems to have taken a step backwards. I think it's because they want to be a face and I don't think she knows how to do it. Do you think it's I just think, she's floundering in... in yeah, I think, I think she knows how to be an arrogant ass kicker who takes the world down because that's who she is. That's what she was in UFC. That's what she does day-to-day -day life. And I think they're asking her to be a baby face. I don't think she knows how. I think she's acting. She's not being natural. I think she's at her best when she comes in as just Ronda Rousey. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that could be it. And it's no criticism of her in the sense that we know she can do it. We know she's sensational in the ring. We know she can be a great heel. This just isn't clicking for me. Um, Edge. Let's talk about Edge, that promo on Raw, open challenge thrown out for WrestleMania on a night where WWE was talking about dashing and smoke and mirrors mm, and just yes, doing yes. a little bit. Of I love it. Look, if we credit AEW for that type of thing, fair play, WWE, like that. Loved Edge's promo. Sat in the middle of the ring, looking down the barrel of the camera. That's my favorite Edge. I don't think it's Cody. 
I think we're getting AJ Styles versus Edge, and I am all for AJ Styles versus Edge. That is a legends match. That is a match between two legends who can still go that we genuinely never thought we'd see. We got a little tease of it at the Rumble when Edge returned, but my God, give me those two and just book them. You know how they booked Angle against Michaels back in the day? Just these two elite athletes, who's going to come out on top? Give me that. Imagine if WWE in their promo for it, now they're starting to seem a little bit more lax about talking about other companies, lent into the... AJ's TNA run and they talked about how these two have been at the pinnacle through the late noughties and tens until Edge retirement and then AJ came like show clips of like Edge being world champion WWE and AJ doing it TNA and like do do one your all-time video packages that we know you can do WWE we've seen you do them but yeah I'd really like that and it sounds like from behind the scenes it sounds like AJ's new game is every year at WrestleMania he decides about in January who he wants to wrestle and just campaigns for it and I'm all for that like, if you're not going to be the title picture, AJ, go and choose who you want to wrestle and go and give us a five-star match. Because he did it with Taker for the Boneyard match. He's doing it with Edge now. It seems like he just goes, I'm going to wrestle you. I'm going to make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love it. I, I think that is going to be sensational. I think we should get that, which makes me think, where are we going with young Cody Rhodes? Because you look at the, the WrestleMania picture, everyone's finding a dance partner. Raw after Mania. You think? Yeah, I think I think I think it's a huge Monday night raw after Mania. I think they haven't had one and they haven't had a massive one for a while. I think I'd save him for then. Well, funnily enough, we've got suggestions just to that effect a little bit later in the show when we do fancy booking of Cody's debut. I can't believe we're this far into the show without talking AEW, a bit of that coming up, but here's a man who doesn't just deserve a Hall of Fame induction. He deserves an entire wing. And finally, The Undertaker has been announced for the WWE Hall of Fame. He's the only announcement so far. He will go in to the Hall of Fame and take his rightful place. I'm going to lay out, Charlie, because he has always been your guy. How did you feel when you got the news that The Undertaker's going in? Not surprised, if we're being honest. I don't think it shocked anyone. Just excited because... Relieved and excited because it makes me think that he is properly done. And I'm actually ready for that. I, I I probably became ready for it too late. But the Boneyard match, I think, is going to be the best we ever get for him to finish on. You watch the last ride and poor Mark Calloway has been chasing an end for five years. And he just couldn't get, and he couldn't give himself the last match he wanted. And I'm, I highly doubt a theatrical match is what he imagined it would be. But it was perfect almost. And that last shot of him riding off into the night with his fist up on the bike, yeah, that, that's perfect. So relieved because I think that means he's done. And then just excited because that speech is could be incredible. You start, you see him on talk shows, you see him doing his documentary. He loves telling the story and all the stories he'll have to tell. And just that I've talked already about WWE's video package. They've already done one. The video package that are going to come out, hearing other people talk about him, the stories. I just think you could fill the whole three-hour night on Undertaker Stories Alone if you wanted to on one induction. So I'm ex- really excited to see it what a night is going to be because they're doing it straight after SmackDown, aren't they? I read. So that'd be a great night to be at. So those who are doing uh, the w- uh, the WrestleMania weekend will have a great night then. But yeah, I, uh, I'm relieved and excited and just, it just makes sense. 
WWE isn't just one of the best in in wrestling, clearly, at those video packages. They're not just one of the best in sport. They are one of the best in media. Pick whatever media you like. They do it as well or better than anyone else. I was looking at that video package, and if you are listening to this and you haven't seen it, I can't imagine there are any people who haven't seen it. Go and watch it right now. Pause us, then come back, because it's a work of art. And it made me think that you could pick any one aspect of Undertaker's career and it would be Hall of Fame worthy. If you just took the streak, that's a Hall of Fame worthy achievement. If you just took the character, that's Hall of Fame worthy. If you took what he did carrying WWF through the dark days of the Monday Night Wars where everyone else was jumping and The Undertaker was the only constant, that would be Hall of Fame worthy. You put it all together, he's on the Mount Rushmore, isn't he? Not just on the Mount Rushmore as a character, but he's on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling, period. Yeah, I, I'm biased. He's my favourite, but I don't see how anyone could make an argument for for Mount Rushmore and not have him, not even in the conversation, have him, have him on there. He, he has to be, for me. He, um, he's the longevity, like you say, the redesigning of himself, even the American badass, who's not my favourite in the world, is Hall of Fame worthy. Everything he did to keep that character relevant for 30 years is just, it, it, no one else would have. Mark Calloway, the man, was the only one who could have. So, I think I think you're right. I think all elements of his um, career would be Hall of Fame worthy. Who do you think inducts him? Vince, Kane, or Stone Cold? Maybe I w- I would say Vince w- would be my pick. Yeah, How about I, you? I, I think Vince. I think Vince. The only time he's done it is Stone Cold, isn't it? And I think the only other person probably is important to WWE in that time period is Taker. And you see on Last Ride, the relationship him and Vince have, I think Vince will want to do it. Uh, so I think we will see Mr. McMahon inducting the Undertaker into the Hall of Fame. The other thing I think about the Undertaker, and, and maybe this doesn't get remarked upon enough, everyone usually, they have a career, they start, they get better, they peak, and then they come down the other side of the mountain. Undertaker starts, he goes up, and then they start realising the man can work. And, and you, you realise that, hey, if we put The Undertaker with Kurt Angle at No Way Out in 2006, we're going to have a great match. Let's see what he can do with Batista. Oh, okay, they have a classic at WrestleMania. And then you're off with Edge and then Michaels and Michaels and Triple H and Triple H and Punk. Um, even after he lost the streak at WrestleMania, which I think most people, that is a ceremonial end of The Undertaker's career. You know, it's where most people think the, the slide began. He still had an amazing Hell in a Cell match with Brock you know, a year and a bit later, the guy just was, he got better and better in the ring. And who would have thought when The Undertaker first debuted at that Survivor Series that he would be having a five-star match year in, year out at WrestleMania for about half a decade? Yeah, it, it's bonkers. It is absolutely bonkers. Imagine imagine if someone said, right, the 1990, they're going to bring a half-dead zombie and in 32 years, you'll still be talking about him. We'd have laughed out the room. If you love professional wrestling as much as we do, then there are three things you can do right now to support the podcast. Firstly, rate and review us wherever you're listening today to help us keep moving up the charts. Secondly, subscribe so you never miss episodes. And thirdly, get involved and get sharing. A word from you on social media is what it's all about. And get involved with fantasy booking. Charlie underscore Beckett for him, Jack underscore Murley for me. And with that, back to the show. 
Now, in AEW, we had a little bit of spookiness going on with a debut of Buddy Matthews returning to the wrestling ring, uh, reuniting uh, with the House of Black. We saw Red Dragon confirmed as one of the tag title triple threat match entrants for Revolution. Moxley and Danielson are on for Revolution too. So Kingston and Jericho a very different MJF talking segment and a nice bit of business between the two Adams, Cole and Paige. Ooh, Revolution's hot enough as a card, isn't it? Ooh. It, it's it's going to be brilliant. It's going to be fantastic because you can't not. Okay, people will say that I favour AEW. Probably true. Even uh, an impartial fan cannot look at that card that's being delivered and think, all right, there's there's something for everyone there. Um, I saw for the first time on Dynamite on Wednesday, Hangman Adam Page feel comfortable as the champion. When he sat on that chair with the belt round his waist, talking down to Adam Cole, I thought there, there is the guy meeting the level of the belt for the first time. He's always had it in him, but it worked for me. Yeah, it, w- it was a night of great promos, I thought. I thought... Um... Adam uh, Adam Page, you say Hangman, was brilliant talking down to Cole for the first time, like he was taking control of the narrative and the story. Cole wasn't dictating to him. That's how it should be. The champ should be in control. So I, I love that. I like the Kingston Jericho segment. Uh, that got me interested in the match I wasn't interested in before. I thought that was a great segment. The MJF promo was just that blindsided me when I watched that this morning because that, that was a babyface promo and that was a good babyface promo. And even the crowd weren't booing by the end. That hit me out of nowhere. And that made me go, oh, you're not just a brilliant heel. You're, you're properly brilliant. Now, I don't know how much of it was true because the emotion he was given in that as well made me think there is definitely some resemblance of tr- semblance of truth in that, which is horrible that anyone would have that done to them. But when Punk comes out as well, he's like, is that real? And I, the whole thing, I thought it's it was a bit of a masterpiece from MJF. It was, it, yeah, it completely blindsided me, took me by surprise. Sit up and take notice of this guy even more. For those who haven't seen it, because we appreciate some folks listen to this before they see Dynamite, the essence of MJF's promo was that he was bullied and abused at school for being Jewish. He looked up to CM Punk as his escape from wrestling. Then when Punk left wrestling, he felt like he'd been abandoned. So MJF became the role model that he saw in Punk that walked away. And the essence was he's taking down CM Punk as punishment for walking away from MJF in his hour of need. Now, is that a case of right promo, wrong time? Because you're going into a dog collar match You've got a clear-cut babyface in CM Punk, and you've got MJF, who's the hottest heel out there, and now we're both going because of the work MJF has done. Well, I don't hate this guy as much as I used to. It's a really good question. I think MJF is good enough that he'll have us hating him in a second. I think he'll come out again next week and almost mock people for pitying him or something like that, because he'll see the reaction to it. There'll be something. But what it gives is it gives another layer to this dog collar match, which almost put me off the match a little bit because I don't. it's not a stipulation I love. But when there is genuine brutality and animosity in the match from MJF towards Punk next in, in whatever, however, how, my God, however many weeks we are away, you'll see, you'll know why now because there will be real hatred there for what Punk did. And Punk did not leave wrestling because he wanted to upset little MJF. Everyone knows why Punk left wrestling. 
And it's that classic, almost supervillain, superhero story of the superhero does something that is right for a number of reasons. But it's the start of the supervillain story because it upsets that one person and they get so fixated on what that person did. And then they hate them and the animosities. And that's their justification for doing awful things. So I think we're going to see MJF do hideous things to Punk and really wrestle heel. And his justification will just be that he abandoned him. So if they deal with it wrong, it could be the wrong time. I hope they don't lean into the sympathy on MJF too much. We need MJF to come out next week and just be hideous again. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I think I think 90% of me, 95% of me thinks, yeah, that's just to buy us in and we fell for it. There's 5% of me that thinks, oh, if you're going to do a double turn, maybe you lean into that. You have Punk brutalize MJF at the pay-per-view, take it too far, and you flip the dynamic and you have a babyface MJF and a heel CM Punk. I, I don't, I, there's a part of me that watched that and thought, oh, that's an intriguing dynamic I didn't see before. I don't think they'll go that way, but it's one for the fantasy booking. Absolutely. I think, I think MJF has been awful enough a human being in AW that it takes more than one five-minute promo to flip us on him. I'm a sucker for MJF. He could do it. I Here's what I thought as well, actually. Imagine trying to cut a promo with Eddie Kingston in the ring because Eddie Kingston's a great promo, but he doesn't, he doesn't seem to work by the rules that other people do in a promo, which is you say a bit, I say a bit, you say a bit, pull apart. He just sort of chips in whenever he wants. And it was great fun to watch Jericho go, no, hold on, Eddie, hold on. Let me get this bit out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it must be interesting doing them, but I really enjoyed Eddie's whole uh, shtick of, you're not the Jericho you were, and bring bring the Jericho who did that, did, and then just run down the things Chris Jericho's done. I said, bring that Jericho. And then when he just leans in and says, because if you don't, I'll eat you alive. I was like, yeah, I believe you, Eddie. I do. Yeah, really good card, really enjoyable. Moxley against Danielson is yes, signed for the paper. Yes, yes, it is. If I'm picking a bit of fault, I will say again, AW... <sighs> Main events, boys. Main events. Build me towards a main event I care about. Give me a reason to care about Daniel Garcia. I didn't know that that John Moxley would be coming out at the end of that main event. I may have gone elsewhere and missed that entirely. You've got to have that hook. And last week we had the Hardy family office interfering a bit. mm. I mean, it was a great main event between Guevara and Allen, but still, this week, Danielson Garcia, is that going to keep me to the end of a broadcast? I'm not not necessarily sure. So so for me, stronger main events. However, love that little angle with uh, Moxley and Danielson at the end. That's going to be a bloody match, isn't it? There's going to be lots of blood in that one. Um, so, two, t- two yeah. choices. Hand A, they have a bloody fight and that's it. Hand B, we get a tag team between them at the end of this. What do you take? Do you want... Oh, I want the tag team. Absolutely. They're going to fight and then I want a tag team. I want like a shake of hands at the end and then I want a tag team. Yes, absolutely. Um, Jack, quick question. Yeah. If you just signed Keith Lee, would you have him on the telly? Well, he did a promo. Would you have him him wrestling maybe? Yeah. Yes, I would. Yes, I would. And and again, you you got him. You could have Keith Lee in a main event segment. You, You could debut him night one. Backstage confrontation night one, sign the match week two, week three, he's in your main event. Why why wouldn't you do that? Build him for this ladder match. Like at the moment, 
We're getting promos. No, go and build him. Get him. Tear, let him tear through some of your roster. Just put him with people to chuck about. Like, some, do give me something. I've been yearning to have Keith Thee on my telly for ninety days. I've been depriving for ninety days. Let me watch the man wrestle. Do you think? Again, it, it, we, we sound like broken records. Big roster causes big issues, nice issues to have. Sometimes I think, I don't know if your grandparents had this, but sometimes I'd go around and they'd have the good china, right? And they would have a cupboard with the good china in. And occasionally they would get it out. You go, oh, that's lovely, that. That's really nice. And then it would go away. And I sometimes feel that like AEW signs someone, you're like, oh, that's nice. Back in the cupboard, it goes for a couple of weeks. Like, oh, but I know... You know, it's just like why? Why not use him more? Yep, I, I I agree. I don't get it. I don't get it. I do like. It looks like we're doing Malachi Black as a little bit of a cult leader, which yeah. I don't hate. Uh, what, didn't what? what did, sorry to, to jump in. Why is he heel? Who Malachi? Everyone's cheering him. Everyone wants. Yeah, no, I don't know. Just it's because he's a little bit spooky dooky and wears a little bit of face paint, so he's got to be heel, hasn't he? And when I saw Buddy Matthews, no, Buddy, is he? Buddy, he's Buddy Matthews now. Was Buddy Murphy debut last night? I thought, oh, they're going to have a fight, and I didn't see him following in the House of Black. So that, that give give him a give him a spooky dooky stable. Give him a stable. He he would be a cult leader. I like it. It doesn't need to be too spooky because that doesn't really work anymore. But give him a stable. But if you're going to make him heel. Make him heal. Don't say, oh, he's a dark man, so he's going to be healed. He's brooding. No, he's got to start being healed and doing horrible things to faces. Well, because that's why people like him. They like him because he's dark and spooky. Yeah. So you can't And he say, kicks people's heads off. You can't say, oh, he's such a nasty man. Look how dark and spooky he is. And he kicks people's heads off. We're like, yes, we know. We're very keen on that. Give us yes. more of that, please. You've got to have a, If you want to make Malachi Black heel, you send him out in a suit, you cut his hair, and you don't mm. have him do that. You can't lean into what he does that people like to make him a reason to be heel. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm now just running through things I liked in AW. Did you see the post? Uh, Dynamite backstage, Red Dragon and Young Bucks face off. No, I didn't. Uh, I only saw that. Literally, it was the last thing I did before we came on. Young Red Dragon and Adam Cole are doing a little bit of a promo to the camera, and the Young Bucks come in. They're really angry with Red Dragon, and we're just building the tension between the Young Bucks and Red Dragon. And Cole at the end shouts, "I need you to all get on," and we're just building that, and that that's lovely. It is lovely. It's backstage after the show, though, and and his yes, his... yeah. I don't know why. It's the fact the fact that we've come on this show, and I've had to say, "Have you seen this great bit of storytelling?" And you've said, "Oh no, I missed that." Put it on your show, boys. Here's what I think AEW needs. I think they need a almost someone who has worked never in wrestling, but has worked in TV. That's what I think they need. They need someone to say, right. You need to tell new viewers who might be stumbling across you why they should stick around. You need packages on TV to tell you what happened last week and tell you what's happening next week. If you're bringing in Jay White, you need to be doing more of that. But that's a constant issue we have with AEW. It may be one of the reasons why as a fledgling TV company, uh, TV show, their ratings haven't ticked up perhaps at the rate you would expect. Now, it's a pandemic we're coming out of. Difficult TV market. You're never going to get the Attitude Era numbers. I do think it's a fair question to ask as to why AEW has been hovering around the same mark viewer-wise and sometimes dipping down to about 850,000 with all that talent they've got. You would you would think that they'd be hoping to do more. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's something that can get better. One thing from the week before we, I imagine, move on to fancy booking, etc. 
Sami Zayn's Intercontinental Champion. Yes. Did Shinsuke Nakamura, who I love, have the least interesting Intercontinental title reign in the history of the belt? Oh, that is <laughs> that is such a good question. That is such a good question. Because I love Shinsuke, mm. but I think he defended it once. Genuinely, I think he defended the title once since August. Yeah, I mean, gun to my head, Jack, tell me something Shinsuke did with the Intercontinental title. Couldn't, couldn't Rick, tell you. It introduced us to Rick Boogs. That's it. Like, I don't understand that miss. How... 2016-17 showed us how to use the Intercontinental title in modern-day wrestling. Shinsuke Nakamura, on his first night in WWE at TakeOver Dallas, showed us how to use Shinsuke Nakamura. It was against Sami Zayn. Those two can do that. That match could have been your co-main event on a pay-per-view anywhere in the world and absolutely rocked the place. And instead, it was just a throwaway on SmackDown, and now it looks like we're going to have Sami Zayn built a celebrity match at WrestleMania. I, 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 someone was saying to me in the week, what, what if you had Cody against Nakamura? Because you could build Nakamura up in a few weeks to, to get him on the Mania card with Cody. Not this Nakamura. This, this Nakamura needs work, and you can't build him up to bring in someone to knock him back down again. It just, it, yeah, you're right. I, I can't think of a less inspiring run. I'm sure there have been some, but it's a shame that it's on this guy, Shinsuke Nakamura, who we all loved when he arrived. It's a real shame. Yeah, huge. Sorry, I just wanted to throw that in before we moved on. No, well, let's do move on because we asked you last week to do some fantasy booking of Cody Rhodes' return. It's become more of a talking point, actually, but we've had some cracking thoughts in here. Um, This is from Ryan, not that Ryan, other Ryan. Other Ryan's coming up in a bit. This is different Ryan. Um, Yeah, we have. Don't want to brag, guys. We've got two Ryans who listen to us. Oh, yes. We see your Adams, AEW, and we raise you the two Ryans. Uh, When you debut Cody, uh, or where you debut Cody, excuse me, defines him. So for me, it has to be the night after WrestleMania, either in the opening slot or in the main event. You can have him as a run-in at the start or at the end, an end of show surprise, or it's the very first thing you see. Do it on the night after WrestleMania is when it has to be, which is what you were saying earlier. I really like this one from Lee, uh, who says, do you remember when he left WWE? He was posting about a tick list of achievements he wanted to achieve outside WWE, people he wanted to wrestle, that type of thing. What if they did something similar to bring him back? Make vignettes with a hand floating over boxes saying things like destroy a Hall of Famer, take out Drew McIntyre, a whole list of things. Have it play for a few weeks when one plays on the big screen and he eventually ticks one and then he just does that. I think that's fantastic. That is how I would do it. I would love that sort of assassin's list and then... Drew McIntyre's in the list. The lights go down up on the screen. There's a tick list. He ticks the Drew McIntyre box. Lights come on. There's Cody and he takes him out. Give me at least least stumble on gold there. I think so. I think you you think back to when he left WWE, Cody's list kind of reignited interest in the indies. I I was lucky enough to see him at a WCPW show over here in that that run. He was brilliant. And that that probably got me invested in Cody Rhodes more than anything ever had because my Cody Rhodes was Stardust and Stardust wasn't that good. So that list, and it, it gave credence, it gave eyes, it put it put eyes on the indie scene, and it that was the start of AEW, him doing all this, meeting these guys, realising what there was out there. So leaning into that again, coming back, a WWE list, that's, I, I hadn't thought of that. I really like that sort of idea. 
I think it's great. I, I think that is the best idea of how I would use him because it also sets up potential goals for down the line. You've built in a year's worth of storyline in one set of promos. Uh, this is interesting from Ryan. Uh, Jack, everyone assumes he's going back to Raw. What if he ends up on SmackDown? Surely with the millions that Fox are paying for rights fees, there's a chance he's got to end up back there. I, I've sort of assumed Raw is where he goes, but the money's on SmackDown. Yeah, you could see him if if Roman comes out as Universal and WWE champion, let's say. You could see him going after that, because the one thing we all know Cody's always wanted is a WWE title. So you could see him go after Roman for the WWE title, and maybe that's how they then move the WWE title away from the Universal, and maybe then back to Raw. Then he takes it back to Raw. Um, but I, I'd watch Cody versus Roman. That'd be a match I'd watch. Yeah, and, and this is from Andrew, who says, uh, the thing I've been thinking recently is that even with the rumours of Austin and Cody apparently going back to WWE, I'm not all that tempted to go back and watch. If those two things can't do it, I'm not sure that anything can. Maybe there's an element of that to throw into the mix. The idea that we've got this guy who we all love and we're all assuming will be a shot in the arm for WWE. Maybe for some folks like Andrew, it may be a bit too late. Yeah, I think WWE have done a lot to... Uh disenfranchised a lot of fans in the last 12 months, both in the ring and out the ring, and, and they will have lost some, lost some for good, unfortunately. Uh, we'll do mine and Charlie's next week and more of yours as well, wherever you're listening to us today. Um, To pick up on something else Andrew alluded to there, very quiet on the Stone Cold Steve Austin front mm. this, <laughs> this week, mm, isn't it? That's all gone, hasn't it? Um, it, was, it was a big thing last week, mm, and now this week, mm, suddenly it's gone a little bit quiet. I think Steve might have just said, nope. <laughs> nope. No, no, no. no, 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 no Steve would have said, God damn it, man. I said this to you a million yeah, times. He'd have done yeah. it that way. Convince it does not matter how many zeros you put in the end. I'm not doing it. I, I think something's gone on there. Actually, I should have mentioned this last week. Did you say, I don't know who it was, but someone made um, a meme of Stone Cold doing that thing on the Broken Skull Sessions where he sits back with his arms up behind yes, him. Yes, 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 yes. Did you see him with, talking to Cody Rhodes where it's like, God Jack, damn. Jack, I sent it to you. Did you? Yes. Jack, I sent it to you on Twitter. Was, was that you? Yes, you um, now have to explain what it is to everyone because you started. Do you, do you, want, to exp- do you want to explain it? Because I, I, oh, I, I've yes. clearly lost my mind at this point. It's, it's um, yes, it's Stone Cold in his classic pose where he's thrown his arms back about something and someone's just typed in the way Stone Cold talks like, uh, goddamn man, and you, you go away and you start this company and boom, now your biggest thing in wrestling, and boom, you're back in WWE and tell me how that happened, man. Like Stone Cold does, it was uh, it was very good. I Are you enjoyed sure? it a lot. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, send there you go. You're scrolling through our DMs now, <laughs> and, which is a dangerous. And I, place I, to be. I responded to it as well. Yeah, you you have this promo set up to set up a ladder match with Sammy Guevara. You're bringing up not having a contract. You're the TNT champ, kid. No contract. I'm at home. Like, is this kid working or shooting? Give me that. Don't give yeah. me Cody Rhodes in a match at WrestleMania. Give me him on the sessions the night of. Oh, a broken skull sessions with Cody would be box office so good it'll happen i'm sure it'll happen uh right let's send something from everyday life back to developmental and give something to push these are these little joys from everyday life and the things that just wind us up that we use wrestling terminology to describe first or second for you this week oh first i've got two quite quick ones this week go for it earn the push for me is dark horse by greg hervitz it's the newest in the orphan x evan smoke series that after the jack reacher books are my favorite books this is the seventh and it's just really good. I'm about halfway through at the moment. I got it last week and it's excellent. Uh, they're really good books. And if you like uh, action thrillers uh, sort of books and you haven't discovered uh, Orphan X, they're really, really good. So I'd go and I'd go in. The first one is called Orphan X. It's by Greg Hervitz. 
and they're excellent. Um, it also doubles up as a very good mic stand, which is why I keep looking down because it's currently my mic stand today. But no, I just, I love a good book. I'm a sucker for a good book. I'm yep. too busy to read as many as I'd like to, but this is the sort of book that as soon as it arrived, I had it pre-ordered from about six months out, forgot it was arriving, got a delivery, was like, what the hell is this? Such a good feeling. Opened it. I was like, oh, it's 17th of Feb. It's out. I didn't realise. Stopped everything I was doing that day to read 100 pages. And now then I've got had to get back into normal life. So I haven't, I've read about another 100 in the rest of the week. But yeah, very good. Also, read more. Books are brilliant. Yes, go. and read go to more. your library as well. Because yes. times are tight. Books aren't cheap. Go to your library for free. Get a library card. They'll yeah. order books in for you. Go and do it. I agree. So there you go. And if you are going to buy books, I know I pre-ordered this one, but local bookshops as well. Really important. Mm. Um, anyway, back to developmental. Yep. Chopsticks. <laughs> I do not like chopsticks. Okay. And also... You have the awkward moment, which may or may not have happened to me last night, where you're the only northern imbecile in your party of four who can't use chopsticks. So at the Japanese restaurant you may be at with your partner and her parents, you're the only one who has to quite sheepishly go to the waiter. Excuse me, could I have a knife and fork, please? And you look like an idiot. Chopsticks, I hate them. They're obnoxious. They're hard to use. No one enjoys using them. Everyone's fumbling about on them. Just use a knife and fork. We, we've mastered cutlery. I, I do feel I should jump in here and say that perhaps the Japanese are fine using them. Yes. Okay. As, as, as you write off an entire culture's history and heritage and the fact they're fine with it. I okay, think let, maybe let me rephrase. Just... Unless you're very good at using chopsticks, like there most people in Japan will because they've used them for years, stop using them over here. Yeah, I, I agree with you on this because I have no dexterity at all. <laughs> I, I, I would never even attempt to use chopsticks. I just know it wouldn't work for you. And I think you should know your limits. You should know mm. that. And I think it's presumptuous of restaurants to come they, at someone. They with... just put chopsticks out of me last night. Yeah. I, 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 think, I can't use them. I think it's presumptuous to say that you have grown up in a, in a culture that, that does not use chopsticks as a rule of thumb, but they will be the only cutlery on offer. I'm like Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> <laughs> trying to use them. I thought you said Wolverine or something like that, given oh, your superhero. I don't know. But anyway, chopsticks can get in the bin. Yep, I'm sending chopsticks back with you. I agree with that. Um, back to developmental for me this week, washing the five-a-side kit because... Oh, was that your week this week? It was my week last week, and I forgot how much of a faff it is to wash the five-a-side kit. And also, and this shows how frightfully middle class I am we had to take the kit to five aside last night and the only carrier bag we could take it in was a waitrose bag for life um oh, which no. we happened to have hanging around and I, thought, I can't take it in this waitrose bag but but so washing the it's a faff I mean you have a kit man given you're a professional athlete but you know those of us who aren't washing the kit is a blinking nightmare but growing up my dad was our coach and our, all I remember is our house being full of kit being washed because that was his job so I I, I didn't do it but I know it just takes over your house. Just there's, there's kit everywhere. Do you think that there's somewhere that, you know, th this must happen. Randy Orton must get in and think, got to wash my gear. So he'll have like all his trunks hung up somewhere. Or Ray and his mask. Well, they wouldn't, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't take up much space around these trunks, would they? No, and God love him for it. Um, very <laughs> formative part of my teenage years. Okay, so washing the kit, back to developmental. Earning the push. I'm giving two things a push this week because one has sort of just come in. Uh, one is our mate and listener, Scott Palfrey. If you do not yes. follow him, 
on social media. He designed the logo for this podcast and mm. he is getting big, big, getting noticed in the world of the, the graphics he makes to the point that Thunder Rosa this week saw something Scott had made, shared it on her social media feeds and just was over the moon about it. He's a very talented boy. Yeah, he's he's really good at those graphics. And his wrestling ones are brilliant. He did a Taker one this week, which I loved. His MJF one's brilliant. That Thunder Rosa one is exceptional. It's her in the um, Kill Bill catsuit. Yes. Suit. He's done um, a Darby Allen one in the last few days as well, which is really cool. Uh, yeah, go and just check Scott out on social media. He's brilliant. Yeah, I'll give you the ways you can get in touch with him, by the way, or follow him. And this isn't a plug, by the way. It's just he's a great guy doing great things. Scott is he Cal- not Is he not paying you? For- I'm getting paid for my plug here. Are you <laughs> Oh, right. You'll have to speak to Scott after. It's fine. I've got a Bluetooth plug coming up. A bit ah, later okay. I'll yes, work yes, in yes. separately. Yeah. Scott uh, Palfrey, S-C-O-T-T-P-A-L-F-R-E-Y. Give him a follow. He does amazing graphics. Ben Stokes in the world of cricket, picking his stuff up as well. So that's worth doing. My actual one this week, short and sweet, Dragon's Den. Where has yeah. this been in my life? Have you never watched it before? Not properly. It's always been around and I've never had an issue with it. But I had and, for a that, and for that reason... I'm out. I love it. I just, for some reason this week, I've discovered Dragon's Den and I'm addicted. I am proper. I'm watching all the old ones on YouTube. Sarah Davies. What a woman. Yes. Oh, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Uh, Dragon's Den is excellent. Peter Jones is always my favourite. We should take the podcast on Dragon's Den. Yes. Yes. I mean... What would we what would we pitch? Uh, two two losers who love wrestling talk about <laughs> it, and people listen. Yeah. There you go, lads. We're offering you what I really love is when they go in and they go. We're offering <laughs> you a one percent stake in our business for a million pounds, and, you and just... they're like, "Well, I'm going to give you the million, but I want forty nine percent." Because they're also rich as well, and they're like, "Yeah, we can." This, this is just pocket money to us. Uh, so, Dragons Den uh, gets sent, uh, gets earning the push today, along with Scott as well. Uh, so, SmackDown comes up on Friday night, as always. What interaction do you think we might get between Roman and Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar? As we now know, it is set. It is official. No ifs, buts, and maybes. That is where we're going for WrestleMania. I don't know what we're going to get, but did you see on Raw when Heyman was like? But Brock, I used to do your contracts. You've missed this. There's a roadblock on your way to us. Are we getting a roadblock pay-per-view, premium live and whatever we get in that? I don't I don't need another one. Just build to Mania now. Who 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 are we gonna have face Brock on the road to WrestleMania? We're like, oh, he might lose and we don't get Brock Roman. Like, come on, lads. Sounds like a job for Ricochet, if ever I've heard Chuck Ricochet in there. Um, I, I, I tell don't you what, can I just say as well? If anyone hasn't made yet a Brockback Mountain gift with him in his hat, I mean, come on, it is there. Scott, (laughs) Scott, you'll be listening, Scott. Do us a Brockback Mountain. If if you've got anything about you, Scott Palfrey, you'll do us a Brockback Mountain. You wouldn't, you wouldn't tag Brock in it, would you? No, <laughs> just, no. just to be safe. Right, look, that wraps us up. Uh, more fancy booking of Cody's debut next week. We'll have all the latest developments on SmackDown and Raw, uh, the Build to Revolution, the go-home show for AEW. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing, and listening each and every week. He's Charlie underscore Beckett on social media. I'm Jack underscore Murley. We'll see you next week on Earn in the Push. <laughs>